0: And welcome everyone to Why Shamanism Now? This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I would like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestral helping spirits and to mine. I call out to all of those people who walk this land in the many places across this beautiful globe. Those who lived well, those who died well, and those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to us, I call out to these ancestors, and I ask them to be with us here in this day, to help us to learn from their own mistakes, to help us to innovate where change is needed in our time, and to help us to lean into those traditions that help human beings be better versions of themselves and i ask for these ancestors to be with us here today to help us the living do what must be done for those who are coming and i reach out through The human ancestors to the non human ancestors. I reach out to all of those beings that were here long before there was ever a human and those that will be here long after. I call out to these energies around the globe in the many forms that they take, each its own expression of that original spark of life that sparked this entire experience of life and form into existence. So we give gratitude to these spirits of nature that live all around us, both in our natural world right next door and in the great expanses of wilderness that are so quickly diminishing. I call out to these energies of mountains and rivers and Great continents, plains, valleys, all the many different deserts, all that is here on this planet and all the beings that live within them. And I ask you to help us to understand who we are meant to be, we the humans, in this great web of life and help us to surrender to that true nature so that we are supported by the deepest essence of who we are and that that essence can support us in being the unique individuals that we are meant to be in our lives. And so with all of this ancestral energy and all of its many diverse forms coming in here today, let Let us gather ourselves from wherever we might be into our head and let us move our conscious awareness from our head to our heart and then from our heart to our belly, connecting these three energy centers here for a moment, stopping all the many things that we're doing and reaching out to the earth to give thanks to the earth for this life, for this day, for all that is possible, to all that has been in your life that has brought you to this moment for all that is and all that will be. And as we give gratitude for life itself to this earth, let us reach our energy down through all the layers of the earth, reaching all the way to the very center of the earth to anchor ourselves firmly there. And take a moment and simply settle in, settle in to those energies that gain their power through the sweet, nourishing, replenishing darkness. As we settle into this dark, still, quiet, silent place we give gratitude for that which restores that which renews and replenishes we give gratitude to this energy that is before all that we see as abundance all that we experience as abundance and vitality here on earth we give gratitude to this source energy as we draw it up through all the layers of the earth drawing it into our body, drawing into our day, drawing it into these proceedings. And in this way, we call up all the wisdom of manifestation and how to be here in form in a good way. And as the earth energy rises up to help us to understand how to be here in a good way, let us settle in and focus in on where we stand, who we are, what we stand for, and what truly has heart and meaning in our own lives, and let us create our sense of home, our sense of belonging, our sense of community for that which has true heart and meaning, not just what we have been spoon-fed, not just what we expect, and not just what we have been given, but what truly matters now for all living things. And as our hearts are warmed by our sense of these connections, let us focus in on right relationship inside ourself and all the many aspects of ourself, right relationship with our environment, right relationship with other humans in the environment and non-humans in that environment, and right relationship with the invisible world. And as we step into that right relationship, may we be blessed by at least one moment in this day of feeling ourselves in that great oneness. And take our sense of perspective from that connection. And as we draw our energy up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind. Let us reach our connected self up and out the top of our head and into the sky. Whatever weather it holds for you. Moving out through the weather and the atmosphere out into the cosmos. And reaching all the way up to the highest power of the universe. In whatever way you understand this power by whatever name you give it. Reach out to it to see yourself in it and it in you and begin to draw this energy down, drawing it down to the cosmos, the atmosphere, the sky, into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings. And in this way, we call in the essence essence energy of blessing and protection we call in the benevolence of the universe we call out inspiration and illumination and innovation we call these energies into ourselves and send them all the way down to the center of the earth and in this way the earth and sky are connected these two great legendary lovers and may this deep deep True love that resonates between these energies, awaken the spirit of your own heart. And may your own human heart open up to its power, its potential, its possibility of transformation. And I invite you to call up the deep, hidden truth of your own passion. Let it draw it up into your heart and draw down the crystal clarity that comes through your mind. And let these energies mix and merge and dance there in your heart until that tension between them, as different as they are, gives birth to that third and most sacred thing, that which is unique to you, that gift that you bring to the world. And may you find in that beautiful human heart the courage that you need to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts, your unique gifts, into the world in some way. And for all the spirit help that you have and all the spirit help that I have to make this real and true in the world, we give great thanks. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things why shamanism now is listener supported for those of you that are new listeners and that means listeners like you have donated often humbly some $5 a month some less some more um, but they've donated from all over the world to help to keep the show live and on the air. We are not live every week anymore, but we were for 10 years. And the donations to this show uh, bring us the new live shows that we do have, and they keep the archives, which are now well over 450 hours of podcasts on the application of spiritual principles in our contemporary lives in a way that are effective and efficient. And so if you'd like to support this, you're welcome to go to whyshamanismnow.com and click on the support button and scroll down. You can donate any amount, large or small, in any currency. We are grateful for all of it. It helps keep the show on the air and the archives available and the website updated. So for your assistance in this, I'm deeply grateful. If this show is meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you, even if it moves you into irritation and frustration, you have been so moved in the heart. And please Follow that uh, most essential of shamanic actions, allowing that which moves your heart to motivate your actions in the world, and do something to support the show, whether that's financial or engaging with the ideas in the show or sharing the ideas with others, wrestling with them, uh, sharing show ideas with us after you have wrestled with them, whatever it might be, we are grateful for all of it. Thank you all for helping Wise Shamanism Now be what it is and grow into what it has become. So today, we're going to continue with part two of a two-part series on ancestral healing. And if you are new to the show, please be aware, this is certainly not the only show in the archives about the ancestors. Ancestral healing and working with your ancestors is something that we have talked about repeatedly over the last decade. Um, However... We are beginning to move these ideas into online classes, which are obviously being designed for you, the listeners of Why Shamanism Now, to give you a way to access the ideas that are touched on in podcasts and to bring them into more skillful practice in your life. So to this end, these two new shows, last week we had Ancestral Healing Triage, Where to Begin Without Traditions Part 1. And today we're going to move on to part two. So in part one, we explored why we need to do ancestral healing, which was admittedly a bit of a review, Um, but we moved on from why we need to do it to where we need to begin. And this very naturally leads to kind of an eye-opening clarity as we start to look at all the reasons the ancestors get stuck. And are not able to clear out of the land of the living and move on to the land of the dead where they belong, number one, because they're dead. And number two, that transition all the way through to the what comes next, as Kelly Harrell says, uh, that transition all the way through allows them to choose, if they want to, to return as ancestral helping spirits. And these are the... uh, True, good, true, and beautiful ancestral helping spirits that are referred to by indigenous peoples, animists, and shamanic ancestral peoples, who, um, ancient peoples who speak of the ancestors as an unconditionally good thing. And this is because their dead are tended at death to make that transition, and so they come back. Uh, to assist their loved ones and it is not so much about ancestral worship as the academic books say it is about maintaining a relationship with people that you loved and listening to them uh, now that they have perspective on their life which is part of the transition in death so that they can help you have a wiser perspective on your own anyway so as we're talking about what is it take to create that, there is this, uh, hopefully, a growing awareness inside of you that begins something like, oh, crap, (laughs) this is really about me and how I live my life today. So this is about clearing the unresolved energies of my family lines and how that sheds light on me and my life, and how I am living, Um, it really is a fundamental responsibility of an adult in the contemporary world, or in any time, actually, to live in a way that allows us to become not only amazing elders while we are still living, but even more awesome ancestral helping spirits when we are dead. And, and it's important to understand the choices for this for yourself are happening right now every day and how you choose to live your life. And for many of you, the email I get from you begins: I don't understand. Why should I connect with my ancestors? I don't, I'm estranged from my family. I don't like my relations, essentially, that they are a source of trauma and, and suffering for me. I don't want to be connected to these people. This is a really common email from people these days who are looking for help in simply recovering from their childhood life with their family. And it's understandable. And your family is not only those people you met while you were alive our families our lines go all the way back through generations and generations and generations to the first people on this planet so my point is do you want to be the kind of relation the living want to be estranged from and don't want anything to do with or do you want to be an ancestor that they look to for guidance for love when they're feeling lonely for connection and for a sense of belonging i mean do you want to be an awesome ancestral helping spirit that your descendants can't wait to reach out to to ask for help in the day so this is this is the piece right here that is important for us always to stay really sober about As we engage in ancestral healing is as we learn to clear our own energies, we become better able to help to clear theirs and vice versa. As we learn about the unresolved patterns held in the ancestral lines, we learn better what we are actually stuck on. And we become more clear about what we need to release and let go of and transform in our lives. And so let me share a little story that goes beyond just how working with the ancestors makes our life better. There's a lot of focus on that in podcasts. Why would you bother listening to a podcast if it wasn't about how you could make your life better or if it doesn't make you laugh or somehow entertain you or somehow bring you personally value? And that's fair. But part of that perspective for us as contemporary people, and I definitely include myself in this group, is we really don't have a well-developed community self. We don't necessarily have a voice at the table, you know, the, the table inside of us where the group decisions are made about what you're going to do with your life, how you what you value, what choices you're going to make. Most of us don't have a communal self speaking up at that table because for most of us, community has not been a very a, a very consistent valuable factor in our life for many of us community has really been mostly a place of bullying or hardship or problems and so what I want to share with you is the bigger possibility in ancestral healing which is in healing in a sense our community our our com- commune our Communication as living with the dead, we heal and shape shift in many ways. Our capacity here in community with the living, and we can begin to have experience is in community that um, begin to be so strongly valuable that it might outweigh choices we are making personally for ourselves, and this is this is uh, a growth experience that i have had in my life with my shamanic community of students who are taking the cycle of transformation teachings That in our efforts together to build a community that keeps those teachings alive and well in the world, it has grown in me, this this community self, this voice for community that at times outweighs my own personal desires. And this is, um, it's been a very interesting experience for me in life. And so I wanted to share a story about Rada. And Rada, at this point in time, is our first last mass community. So these are those of us that are in the four-year cycle teachings and the community that supports those teachings in the world. Okay. So she's our first community ancestor. And so what that means, technically speaking, from a perspective of ancestral healing, is at Rada's death, Rada was tended and so, and I, I did that actually. It's crossing Rada over from here in the land of the living, at her death, helping her to make her journey all the way to what comes next and, and helping her to reconcile what issues might have still been remaining so that she could do that. And as she completes that crossing, she then has the option to return, From that, wherever it is that spirits go when they die, human spirits go when they die, from that place of, I believe, I just think of it as a reconnection with the oneness and the source, she's free to come back as an ancestral helping spirit. Now, this is something Anne Rada wanted to do very badly, both alive and dead. She was an elder in our community, a deeply respected elder in our community, and um, a leader, and very much wanted to return. Um, so the story goes kind of like this. So as a, as a living person, Rada was wonderful and imperfect, just like the rest of us. And um, Rada encountered me as a teacher first at the Omega Institute at a Workshop called the Wisdom of the Shaman in Everyday Life, and she and a handful of other people in that workshop had so much fun in that workshop that they jumped into Masks of Illusion and the Authentic Self the following year, which also happened to be at Omega, um, and began the cycle of transformation. Rada stayed, went through all four years of the cycle, and was part of the collection of people, you know, students who had taken this four-year training like any other four-year training and just people that had shared this experience or were kind of this loose collection of people with this shared experience. And one thing led to another in the evolution of the cycle teachings, which is another podcast, another story for another podcast, but basically I was, it was made clear to me by spirit that the cycle teachings would never grow out of the situation that they were in, if as long as they were still being delivered, like frankly, everything else, as um, spiritual consumerism. And this model of you pay your money, you go take your workshop, and that's and it's a transaction. And what my helping spirits made clear to me at the time is that. The cycle teachings needed to be offered in the world and made available to people in a way that was consistent with the teachings themselves. And that's all well and good. And once you hear that answer, that makes total sense. And people like Rada and others in the community went, oh, well, of course, that makes total sense. And then they all looked at me like, how do we do that? And I said, I don't know. I have no, I, I'm a contemporary person too. I don't have any idea how to do that. I'm just doing this the best I know how based on how everybody else is doing it, right? And so Rada and um, a handful of other people at that time embarked on a six-month project with me, working with our helping spirits and, and literally asking spirit that question. How do we do this? How do we offer the cycle teachings in a way that is consistent with the teachings. And the answer that emerged out of that was community. And then we had to ask, of course, how to do that. Um, And this is partly why I have a very strong and clear sense that most of us as contemporary Westerners, at least here or Americans, really don't have a clue about community. Um, Is because what came from spirit as an answer to this was a structure for the community That was very suspiciously like the structures of communities that I had uh, researched, that I had, had learned about in researching the Encyclopedia of Shamanism. So, Rada was really enthusiastic about this whole project, as big and unwieldy as it was, because Rada's soul's purpose was or could only be expressed through community, And so she had really struggled in her life trying to express it through family, through her tennis club, through her business, all these different uh, places in her life where she had community. She was never really felt she didn't feel successfully or thoroughly expressed. And so this idea that we were taking on this mighty project to create community was right up Raida's alley. And it it was this, this not just a, so it was both a group experience, but also really personal for Rada, this idea that she could be part of creating a community that would finally allow her to express her own unique genius. And, and, and at the time this is happening, I forgot to mention, Rada was already, you know, well into her hmm, 50s and 60s. I mean, I am too now, so I don't consider that terribly old, but my point is she wasn't twenty-three. You know, she was really at that phase in her life where you start to think, you know, I need to do this now. So she joined us and she did it now. And she was hugely instrumental in being able to shape shift her contemporary experience and ideas. To set it all aside and let them change and flow into these answers we were given by spirit that weren't easy to do. It wasn't obvious and easy how to do it. We really had to change who we were and how we went about things to manifest this big answer. And Rita was one of the first, often quicker than me actually, in shifting and changing and finding that community self. Okay, so, and I want to say that uh, a lot of people sort of dismissed or never really quite grasped the importance of Rada's really good spirits about all of the really annoying things about community. Just truly drives you into the decision to want to go be a hermit on a daily basis, and Rada had such good spirit about that part of community life, and people just assumed this was because Rada never experienced hardship, and and this was so missing of Rada, not that Rada was trying to make this point, but it was always my place of wonder observing her expressing this beautiful genius she had in community this ability to be such a bright spirit about hope and possibility and let's just try it again maybe we should listen to what spirit said and actually do that you know that kind of person and she had a really horrible childhood and she spent a lot of time healing from that childhood, but it didn't derail her from living her life. And that was what was so special about Rada and her relationship with community is she didn't have a good community experience in her family, in schools that she was, had been part of as a child, etc. Anyway, so, so here's Rada rada gets a really awful version of cancer and dies and it's hard on everybody cuz we she's a really important person in the community and she was taking online classes and uh standing in leadership roles in the community you know up until months before this second uh, uh she came out of remission with her cancer And so the first confusion around ancestral healing at Rada's death was those people that were no longer active, a part of the community, but knew of the community enough to let us know that what was happening with Rada. These were people that lived with her in New York City, but were no longer part of the community necessarily. And people in the community who were very much actively involved with Rada as part of community life. And there was this real confusion or frustration with her friends who were, oh, Rada didn't have um, bloodline family. At that point in her life, she had some family she was connected to through marriage and divorce, but not uh, her own children or her own uh, or siblings or anyone to tend to her at death. So these friends um, that were friendly with the community were were the people stepping up to do the really hard, heavy lifting of Dealing with a person's life after they're gone, and so their perspective was, you know, we're dealing with her life. She didn't leave a will. We're just doing our best to, as we understood, Rada, and we're not really sure she she wants this to happen. And and yet, these people were shamanic practitioners in their own right. And I said, well, let's go ask her. Let's journey and go ask her. And so, while Rada's spirit was still around. Um, although she was technically dead, we asked. And Rada's response was, of course, I want to be an ancestral helping spirit for this community. What are you thinking? And so the first step that ensued in terms of real ancestral healing here was talking with her friends about why it was important to follow her wishes around becoming an ancestral helping spirit and what this meant. And so there were two very important things that Rada wanted to have happen. She had a very specific power object in her apartment that, was not apparently a power object to any of us standing in her apartment. (laughs) So this was the first tricky thing. But there was this real strong sense of what she wanted to be the power object that we, Last Mass community, would use to be Rada on the ancestral shrine. So that was the first thing that we needed to find and make sure didn't get taken to goodwill or whatever. And then the second thing Rada wanted – was to have all of her items, her power objects, on her personal altar, her her own shamanic altar and Last Mass Community Altar. She wanted all of those power objects gathered and distributed to community members so that they could use her power objects as... Um, Represent her or as the power object to be her in their ancestral shrines. And so, this, 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 the logistics around these mechanics in and of themselves speak to how American culture is so poorly designed to make it easy to tend the dead. And it is so poorly designed to be able to have a place for the ancestral shrine, to have an understanding of the power objects and how we take a power object and uh, transition it into being an ancestral power object for a particular ancestor. And all of these sort of mechanics that in, for example, the the Dagra culture in uh, Burkina Faso in West Africa are like obvious. Everybody knows how to do it. It's just part of their life. This is not such a big ordeal. But here, it was a big ordeal. Now, we did finally get it worked out, thanks to everybody. Everybody's efforts was really gorgeous, actually. So, we uh, the plan was to complete the ancestralization of Rada at our last mass community gathering. And so here we are at a gathering of people that are in this community that supposedly have ancestral helping spirits that they're tending, have gone through the process of ancestralizing those helping spirits, and nobody still knows what's going on. And this is, again, just this, we we have fallen so far in our memory and our understanding of how how to tend the relationship first with the dead to get them where they need to go, but then with the second part of that process, which is tending our relationship with the ancestors. So, long story short, right, here's the juicy bit. Okay, so we are at the annual Last Mass Community Gathering. And we have all the power objects. We have all of Rada's... um, Power objects that she had on her altar in all in the exact same different little brown paper bags, right, as she requested. And we have created a very crazy looking ancestral um, power object for to herself for the community shrine. And so... Um, if you remember back at the beginning of the podcast, so Rada at her death was already crossed over after we asked her the questions and helped her to cross to the what comes next and had been there, wherever there is, for months, um, few months, not many, few months. And so then we're, we're at the annual community gathering and we start this process of... What we call ancestralization and this is a ritual process of going through the steps as the living to tend the gate of that threshold gate of uh, dead coming back through the gate to us as the living as a true ancestral helping spirit. And so there's first tending the gate of leaving, getting someone who is recently deceased, disconnected from all that is unresolved in their human life, and crossing over. Connecting with the oneness, whatever happens in the what comes next phase. And this is, you know, sort of the classic job of a shamanic practitioner and actually many other functionaries in different. Uh, cultures and traditions but basically that job of death walking or psychopomp that escorting the soul the bardos in um, buddhist tradition so there are many many traditions that have held uh, non-western traditions that have held these the need and the way to tend the dead and so Um, I spoke a lot about that in part one, tending the dead and why and why they get stuck and all of that. And so now I'm talking about the second half of that, which is what we call ancestralization for lack of a better word. And that is tending this threshold through ritual where we, the living invite that recently deceased person or long deceased person back as a true ancestral helping spirit. And this is the, Really critical distinction for contemporary people working with ancestors is that you know for a fact that this ancestor is resolved, that they have gone to the what comes next, they've crossed over to that other side, they have reconnected with, with the oneness, they have perspective on their life, they have wisdom now to share. They are not simply dead. Dead does not equal any smarter than you were when you were living. Dead is just dead. It doesn't mean anything more than that. Um, Your favorite grandmother that you love dearly, if she just died and didn't go anywhere because she stayed around to watch over you, is not necessarily a good thing. Technically speaking, she would be better able to watch over you and better able to do so in a way that frees you from unresolved family patterns if she crossed let go And you let go, and she crossed over all the way, and then you ancestralized her and brought her back through that gate and really established her as a true ancestral helping spirit. Okay, so back to Raida's ancestralization. Okay, so the ritual usually revolves around a fire, big fire, and the fire now not as a place of release, or celebration, but really a place of a conduit to the ancestral realm, meaning the realm where all of these good, true, and beautiful ancestral helping spirits are one and hang out. I call it the luminous realm, personally, because that's how I experience it when I'm journeying. Okay, so we were in sub-zero weather in an ice storm in the eastern, northeastern United States. So, And we had elders with us in our group and children. And so I was not about to have us do this outside at a fire as much as I wanted to because – just because that would just be painful and frankly dangerous. And so we made a fake fire in the center of our room and we – pretended it was a real fire, we had fun, and we told stories about Rada around the fire. And in this way, and the stories started from the obvious ones about how fabulous Rada was to how Rada dealt with hardship. And it's really in that second set of stories that you start to see who a person really is, not just in how they were fabulous and heroic here and there, which there are many stories about that with Rada, but more how they tended Their own pain and suffering. Did they project that on others? Did they blame others? Or did they take responsibility for it and heal and transform? Did they support others in healing and transforming? How did they deal with life when things got hard? And these stories came out. And. What was amazing about this part of this ritual process, because you don't necessarily know what stories are gonna come out, and this is not about grieving. The grieving step, in theory, is already passed at this point in the process. This is really this keeping the essence of the person sharing it in the community and keeping it alive. And so we talked, we shared these stories about Rada really intimately and people that had never met her. Because we had people, we had family members at our community gathering, right, who'd never known uh, Rada at all. And they truly left that first step of the ritual feeling like they'd met her, that they somehow knew this person, Next step was actually going out to an outdoor fire with a smaller group of people for the the actual ritual function, which is um, feeding and washing and preparing the power object, leaving it out by the fire overnight. I'm saying that in air quotes, um, given the weather and inviting and formally inviting Rada back through the gate. And so then I lit a candle from that fire and took the power object in the candle into my room um, where it was not 30 degrees below zero uh, Fahrenheit and um, kept the flame going all night. Came back in the morning to the fire outside, lit it again from the candle, and then we move on to part three, which is welcoming Rada back and celebrating and toasting her return, thanking her for coming back, and then and I I have to give the staff, at least the kitchen staff at Menla Mountain Retreat, kudos for this part because we came at six in the morning, uh, snow. Snow bundled up, barreling into the dining room and the kitchen while they're trying to prepare breakfast for all the people at this retreat center, introducing them to Rada. Because this is the next step of the process is to, is to run through the village and scream out the news that Rada's back. And we're so excited that Rada is home. And bless those people, man! In the middle of preparing breakfast for playing along with us, and 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 wanting to know who was Rada, and 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 how was she back, and what what was this? And they were delightful. And so then the power object, which is now Rada. You know, it's placed in the center of the breakfast table and we all have breakfast with her. Everybody offers Rada uh, a bite of their breakfast, a sip of their coffee. And um, then the next step is that Reda is brought, or the ancestor in this case, Rada is brought to the community ancestral shrine where there are already ancestors. Now, in this case for us, because Rada is our, technically our first true community ancestor. The ancestors that were in this shrine were really kind of the oldest ancestors we as community members had in our relationship with the ancestors, but they weren't technically of our community. They were not necessarily people that uh, lived in this particular cosmology, right? So it's very interesting because here's Rada, really the first of this Cosmology. Okay, so here we are. We're at this ancestral shrine, and we've had this wonderful celebration at breakfast. All of this excitement for Ray to coming back. We came into that room and we all gathered around that ancestral shrine. I can still feel it. The, the incredible power. And seriousness of what was happening. Huge emotion. Just, just boundless emotion. Because it's not just the living. Restoring their relationship with someone that they loved and had lost here in, in physical form. But it was this love of the ancestors as a collective in that shrine, so profoundly relieved that we were finally getting all the pieces together and to get it, the whole system to start working again. This incredible love for us, this incredible belonging and connection and relief that we were finally doing all the pieces and so in all of that incredible emotion all of that energy we leave rada at the door of the shrine because we have to invite we have to ask those who are already there whether she can be received as a true ancestral helping spirit you know did she do the dying right, and did we do the bringing, inviting her back right? I mean, is it is is it is it right? Is it is she accepted into the fold really of these true ancestral helping spirits? And just spontaneously, many of us found ourselves at the gateway of that shrine with the ancestors and with Rada, um, not grieving so much as making amends uh, sharing this deep deep personal honesty that might not have come out yet this sort of completion of different parts of our our process of coming to reconciliation or grieving or honoring or whatever and then we have to leave her there so that's we've done that step and then as a group we went and and called out the spirit energies and all the other shrines and the whole cosmology and got our day going. And then the next step is to go back to the ancestral shrine to see if Rada has been received. And since we are new contemporary people doing this for the first time, we decided to do that in a journey. And so we all journeyed to the ancestral shrine as it, as it existed in the invisible world and to see what was going on. Like, what did Brada look like there as an ancestral helping spirit and what was you know what were the ancestors going to invite her in to be part of their ranks as true ancestral helping spirits or did we need to do something differently and so we all came out of that journey a little wide eyed and um, solemn a bit serious I guess would be a better word and we all moved over to the Ancestral Shrine and physically moved Rada's power object from the the door of the shrine in and installed her there with all the other ancestors. And then it became incredibly important as the person kind of conducting this whole process to shut up and do the next step Rada had asked us to do which was to very directly go to all of those little paper bags that had Rada's power objects in them and just randomly hand them out. People just took a bag. And then we all went back, as Rada had instructed us to do, we all went back into our circle and everybody journeyed with their power object to get a message from Rada. And now this is the really interesting part of the story. Okay, so everybody journeys. These are family members. These are community members. These are people that knew Rada. These are people that didn't know Rada. These are children, even. And everybody journeys with their power object in their hand. um, And part of it is inviting Rada to come into the power object to be an ancestral helping spirit for them, but also to ask her for a message. You know, what is your first message for me as my newly installed, good, true, and beautiful ancestor? And then as we came out of those journeys, we all shared the answers that Rada had gave us each. And there are two things that are important about that experience other than the mind-blowing awesomeness of it. It is how you really saw this wisdom of a particular spirit coming out in this collection of answers. You saw a certain kind of theme and a certain kind of perspective that that was definitely part of Rada living. But as with all of us, as a living person, things are mediated by our own doubt, our uncertainty, our distractions, our focusing on too many things, all of the the many other things that we do as the living while we're alive. And as an ancestral helping spirit, none of that was present any longer because, you know, she's not living any longer. There's no distraction. There was no lack of focus, no lack of clarity, no doubt. Just this pure, clear truth and wisdom that's so much the sort of flavor of Rada, and yet so much deeper and more resonating with that powerful truth that we feel when we connect with and communicate with a true helping spirit. It was astounding, especially because there was a little part of me, like a little kid that was like, oh my God, we did that. (laughs) So that part was really exciting that it worked. And that Rady was still with us and was with us in a way that now she was such a pure teacher for us, Um, as she had been, but now um, so much more the essence of who she was without any distraction. And now, because she's spirit, of course, she's able to be in everybody's business all at once. Versus just whoever happens to be working with her. So it's much more Rada to go around. So all of that is really beautiful. Now here's the really important thing. I'm going to contrast this with another short story. Rada gave everyone messages that were very Rada-esque. But the message was for the actual person. Every person could feel like a true helping spirit that the message was both of Rada and for them personally, which was the point of the journey, was to get a personal message from Rada. And some of the messages were not comfortable, like true helping spirits. Uh, In the collection of messages there, we really saw that transition from a wonderful human being that could be very helpful and wise to a true helping spirit for everybody present was exquisite. So hold that thought for a moment. I'm going to share a quick story. Um, I'm also part of another community that focuses on my um, Qigong master and that international community. And I was at an event with this community as a participant, you know, student, learning Qigong. And there was a beloved community member in this particular country who was deceased. And this community member had been very important in bringing in, helping to bring in and clarify the contemplations that, Go with these Qigong forms that my teacher brought through. So there was a lot of partnership and working together in the early days of this um, set of qigong forms being brought through from the ancestral realm into the practice here for the living. And so they're both the physical forms and the contemplations or the prayers that go with them, the the visualization part, meditation part. Okay. And so this person that had really been um, instrumental in bringing these beautiful uh contemplations through is the is the person who died and so at this particular gathering we were with that community of people that uh she had come from and someone um offered to channel her so that she could give messages to people again because everybody felt her presence this is this very common uh I'm sure you're hearing this kind of thing as you imagine your own communities that you're part of, right? We feel her presence. She wants to speak to us and someone steps up to channel and to bring her messages through. And she brought through messages for the people that she knew. There were no messages for anybody in that group she had not personally known when she was living. That's number one. Number two. The messages were not anything I couldn't have figured out having already spent two weeks with these people that they needed to hear. They were pretty much still in that realm of psycho-emotional, spiritual guidance that you could do right here, just you and me talking, right? And so what I took from that experience is that this person, as much as they wanted to continue to help this community and these teachings be brought deeper into the – more widely into the world and that, that that love and desire was sincere and true, that she was a ghost. That she was not a true ancestral helping spirit because she had no wisdom to offer anybody she didn't know as a person. Right, And there was no particular insight and, and gravitas in the answers that you find when you're communicating with any help, true helping spirit, um, particularly with shamanic journeying. But then once you get to know that helping spirit, those answers can come through just in everyday life as well. And so what I saw in these two stories of two beautiful people who were deeply committed to their communities and what their communities were bringing in the world is the difference between a true ancestral helping spirit and a ghost. And so this in many ways more than anything today illustrates for me why why it is important for us as the living who face such profound challenges in every facet of our life right now, in the environment, in the politics, in our neighborhoods, in the list goes on. We face so much challenge of what places, ways that we need to change. And we need to change in a way that really creates something new and doesn't just perpetuate a new version of an old problem. And that is such the hallmark of unresolved ancestral issues like war. This is a problem that didn't get solved then and hasn't been solved since. And it just keeps uh, being handed down generation after generation after generation. And frankly, it picks up momentum. It ferments. It gets rots a little bit and gets worse and worse and worse. Every generation that doesn't say, whoa, the buck stops here. I am ending this. So here we are, the living in that situation, more so than any time in in my particular lifetime, I could say. We need true ancestral helping spirits that can give us personal messages that are really right for us and yet move us into that larger uh, sense of ourself and our possibility and that larger sense of the world, we don't need to keep listening to ghosts. We don't need to, to hold on to these people and keep being reassured in the same way that they reassured us when we were all living. We need to let go of the dead. We need to let go of old ways that are no longer helpful or that have proved, frankly, completely toxic and unsustainable. And we need to allow or to push these unresolved dead out of our heads, out of our hearts, out of our land of the living and get them where they belong. And this is all of our jobs. This is not just shaman jobs. This is all of our jobs. And there's a big piece of it that you can do yourself in your life so that your even the worst of your relations could potentially be like Rada, a true ancestral helping spirit. And the beauty of the really gnarly ones, unlike Rada, is the really gnarly ones who really messed up their life is they are really good helping spirits, once they've reconciled it, to keep you from messing up your own. They Not keep you from, but to advise you in such a way that you don't mess up your own. So, this is my point. Right now, uh, this Saturday, September 21st, 2019, I will be talking about a new online course. It is precisely to help you to do this that I have been talking about today. How do you begin to transition all of the dead people that are good people, just like Rada and just like this other person in this other community, right, to transition them out of here so that they can come back as true ancestral helping spirits? Because that is actually something every single one of you listening to me right now can actually do. And so this course it's offered by Shift Network, and it is called Healing with Our Ancestors. Uh, transform unresolved patterns into blessings, hope, and sacred medicine. And so you can go to my website, lastmaskcenter.org on the home page, click on the registration link. It's a free event to just introduce it. If you register there, then you'll get all the information you need about the course that will follow. And it will be a seven-week course offered by Shift Network, me teaching live and online. And so again, you can go to lastmasscenter.org. Right there on the home page, there's a link that you can click to register for the free event on Saturday. If you're not there don't you can't the timing doesn't work for you don't worry about it it'll be recorded and you'll still get all the information about not only the recording of the event but also information about how to register for the class and in the class we will cover absolutely everything you need to know to be able to clear all those good people and your family line like rada and to help them come back to you as true ancestral helping spirits so that we can start to get the new things done in the world around us and stop repeating the mistakes of those who have gone before us. And to those ancestors that are ever so grateful to us and excited that we are going to do this finally and do it well, I give great thanks to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. Thank you everyone for listening and please go to lastmasscenter.org and click on that link and join me in healing with your ancestors.